Good morning, everybody. I want to do a devotional this morning from Psalm 63. And after this, I'm going to let you listen to the audio from a video that I put up just yesterday as a response to Doug Wilson's uh, recent video that he did with a chap called Jared, Jared who the, both of them together were discussing the church, basically, um, as part of their No Quarter November annual content. Um, if you don't know who Doug Wilson is, he leads a, a church in a place called Moscow in Idaho in America. And as a, a cessationist stroke post-millennial, there would be much that, that we would not see in the same way, put it like that. But equally, there is a lot of what Doug is saying and thinking and uh, seeking to do that is very good and um and and ad, you know admirable it's good um i think he's asking some of the right questions barking up some of the right trees but fundamentally on some of the issues as i respond as a video that i responded to his content basically so i'm going to let you listen to that that audio after this devotional but let's just turn to psalm 63 I'll read it and then give you just a couple of thoughts. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Eleven short verses, but one of my, if not, it's one of my favourite psalms. And in fact, some some of the verses in this psalm would be some of my go-to meditations and on a daily basis. There are three references here to soul verse 1 and verse 5 and verse 8. And I want to take them one by one and just give you some thoughts. And then, um, as I say, let you listen to this audio from the video yesterday. Verse 1, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. And then here's the first of what I can see is three references to David, King David, in the wilderness of Judah, which is where he was, talking about his soul. My soul thirsts for you he says first of all 
this is reminiscent for me, and I've mentioned this somewhere else recently, about T.S. Eliot's famous poem, The Wasteland, that has turned 100 this year, it's a centenary this year, written in 1922. T.S. Eliot was a complex figure and certainly have no inkling that he was a born-again Christian, but within his uh, creativity, within his kind of very um, turbulent marriage, within all of the cloaked references to another woman who he, I think, regrets that he didn't marry, within his emotional breakdown by the coast of Margate in England, and with the influences from other parts of the world, namely India and other forms of spirituality. As an American living in England, besides the true gospel, the true shepherd king, Jesus. And indeed, at the end of the, the Wasteland poem, he finishes with three words that go that are just simply shanty, 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 as a, as a form of... He's drawn that from a form of Indian transcendental meditation, basically, another form of religious uh, chanting and what have you, and there was no full stop. The poem finishes not even with an ellipsis, but just with with the repetition of those three words. And I remember just thinking, having studied this poem as part of some of my English literature studies back in the day, just thinking about it again and just the memories of all of that coming back, just how 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 sad it was that he hadn't encountered. the fountain of living water for the thirst of his own soul. If, his, if, his, if the wasteland poem for him had finished with shalom, 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 full stop, rather than shanti, 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 and then nothing. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land. The wasteland, if you like, where there is no water. I don't know about you, but I certainly can relate to T.S. Eliot <sighs> struggling on the side of Margate's coast with a sense of emotional fragility. And that's what happens when you thirst. You know, dehydration affects everything, physically, emotionally, spiritually. In fact, some people deliberately thirst, don't they, as a form of fasting to, in a sense, sensitise the spirit to God. But there's a thirst here that is hopeless in, in the world and there's a, there's a thirst that is the portion, if you like, of, of the righteous. Thirsting in this world that, that is a wasteland, is a dry and weary land where there is no water. I remember once as a child being whatever, I was deliriously thirsty during the night and I, I knew I had this drink special drink that I'd been saving in the fridge downstairs. It was a lemon drink. And I didn't want it enough or wasn't awake enough to go downstairs as a child, which felt like a half a mile away, to go and get it. But I knew there was this this drink there and I just, for whatever reason, I was extremely thirsty. And then in the morning I was able to, you know, I had it. But the thing with thirst is... We don't always know that we're thirsty. We don't always interpret our days or our emotions or 
um, encounters or just events of life as relating to thirst. Do you ever find that, in fact, hold on one second. I needed to, I needed to wet my whistle as I spoke. You ever find yourself watching the television or hearing about something or dealing with people, situations, and and it's just you're you're operating from thirst, and um, it's because your soul is thirsting. If you know, if you know, if you if it's your body that's thirsting, you it's, it's a bit more. You just recognise it more quickly. It's like, I just feel thirsty, I'll go and get something to drink. Whereas if your soul thirsts, it's not always obvious. The second reference here is in verse 5. My soul will be satisfied. So your soul thirsts for God. Our souls should thirst for God and we don't always know that. And the likening of that soul thirst to how your body would be in a land where there would be no water. So David relates what would effectively be physical dehydration with what it's like to long for the living God. And then he comes to verse 5 where the this, this second of three references to soul saying that he will, it, it will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. This is very reminiscent of Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3. But it's one of it's it's a future oriented reference to satisfaction. Notice he doesn't say my soul is satisfied. The notion, the thought, the prospect of being satisfied in the future with fat and rich food is what he's saying here. And again, this is reminiscent of Jesus, where do you remember the words of Jesus when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Shall be filled my soul will be satisfied there's a future reality here that is in in the mind of both king david and jesus himself it's a thirst for righteousness it's not a thirst for water but the best liken it the best comparison it would be with a body that is longing for water where there isn't any in effect what we're to think i think is that my my soul is my soul is thirsty for righteousness where there isn't any. And now Jesus' words come in, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 8 is the third of the three that I can see here. My soul clings to you. So my soul thirsts for you in verse 1. My soul will be satisfied in verse 5. And then in verse 8, my soul clings to you. And it's that clinging, isn't it? It's a... It's a wonderful picture, but that's, you know, you sometimes see it on TV, maybe in Ukraine at the moment or in different parts of the world where, there, where there's famine and you see hordes of people queuing for bread or water and, you know, people do cling to situations where there might be a relief from this soul thirst. Um, they might queue for, for for hours or days to get some bread or some water, and I think that's what we're. That's in verse eight here. David is saying, "My soul clings to you." There's a prospect of being satisfied. My sh- my soul will be satisfied, and not that's not to say that I don't think that's not to say that there's any there's no satisfaction now. And I think very much the the satisfaction comes in the clinging of the soul. Verse eight. 
my, my soul thirsts for you in verse 1, and then in verse 8, my soul clings to you. That's what you do in hope of the promise of being satisfied in verse 5. You don't give up on hope of being filled, assuaged. My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you feel like that? I hope you do. I can't see any how any Christian couldn't feel that, even at the best of times. Even at the best of times, we are to thirst for righteousness, knowing that we will be filled. But the, the, the thought, the picture here of my soul clinging to you, being upheld with his right hand, in verse 8 of Psalm 63, I think is where most people will recognise themselves as being today, thirsting in a dry and weary land where there's no water, gagging for relief, gagging for refreshment, gagging for... There's that picture somewhere, I can't remember where it is, of a calf being released from a stall. Do you remember that? I think it's an eschatological end-time picture, you know. I can't remember it, but it was just in my mind, just the picture of a calf being released from a stall at the end of the age where Jesus comes. And that relief ultimately will be where your soul drinks deeply. And um, that's, a f that's a fine prospect, isn't it? But the clinging of our souls to him is a good way of thinking about he knows just what we need and just when we need it. And as our bodies in, in all of their profound weakness thirsts for him, we have the prospect future orientated that my soul will, our souls will be satisfied as not only with water, but with fat and rich food. There's going to be a feasting. There is going to be a feasting. And not for the first time we see this feasting prefigured in the wilderness where there is very little. And so all of that, I think, is should be in an encouragement. My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is not a dry and weary land where there is no water, as was for T.S. Eliot, but for the redeemed of the Lord who should say so, there is this future prospect of Selah, 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 and indeed Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. I pray, Lord, now for your Shalom for each of us. pray that it would be a, a sense of being fed and watered now, even as a prefiguring of what will come ultimately when you return. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I won't put the uh, the audio, actually I'll do that on a separate podcast, otherwise this will be too long. I hope that's a blessing. God bless.